Please join your hearts together with me in a word of prayer. And gracious Heavenly Father, we confess, Lord, that we have a tendency as humans to become calloused in nature by handling so many things. I pray, Lord, that you would heal us this day from the calluses that come from holding holy things. For in years, Lord, we have worshipped at Easter, but Lord, we confess that having worshipped at Easter, our hearts may have become somewhat immune to the richness and the joy of that day. And so, Lord, I pray that you send your spirit to us now, that, Lord, you would make us sensitive to your presence, and then, Lord, you would awaken us to this message, and so that, Lord, we might be able to to come to you now with joy. A joy, Lord, that comes from from standing in the presence of a risen and resurrected Lord, one who has loved us and given himself for us, one Lord who embraces us even now. And into your heart we give ourselves in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. He is risen. He is risen indeed. You know, this day around our globe in hundreds of thousands of cities and villages, literally millions, dare I say billions, are raising their voices in unison declaring that very same thing in languages, too many to number. Jesus Christ is risen today. And this morning is probably the closest thing on this side of eternity that comes to that moment that we read of in the book of Philippians in chapter 2, where Jesus, in arriving and standing in the presence of all, uh, receives the response, his name is above every name, and that the name of Jesus, every knee bows in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confesses that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. He is risen. He is risen indeed. No historical event has been so thoroughly investigated than this particular moment, the day of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. From the very beginning, it has been the subject of intense scrutiny, and yet, no matter how skeptical that scrutiny may be, the facts still stand. He is risen, and he has risen indeed. No moment in history has been so tested and yet found to be so true. Today, many will hear those facts presented once again. And some may hear them for the very first time. And in hearing them, be amazed. He rose from the grave by the power of God, and the power of death was forever erased. And as sermons are preached, outlining the proof of the resurrection, each word just adds to the volume of the voices that we find in the Scriptures. The one that we find in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 54. What is written is true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? Thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Today is a day of victory. And I I want to take it one more step beyond the facts that are in hand to reveal even something deeper, the heart and the soul of, of Easter. 
If you have your Bibles, I'm going to ask you to join with me in the Gospel of Luke as we turn to chapter 24. And and in verse 13, we read, Now at that same day, that first Easter, that day of resurrection, that day of victory, two disciples, those who had followed Jesus, were going to a village called Emmaus. And they were talking with each other about everything that had happened in the previous days before. I want you to pause for a moment and take in the spirit of the scene, catch the frame. It is more than just a casual conversation between two travelers, a talk, as you might think. After three days of intense grief and sadness, these two disciples were carrying with them the sheer weight of the death of their Lord. It was heavy at heart. And while the world was moving on, they needed to keep the story alive, just if only between the two of them. And so they dared not allow this story to disappear, and it it meant so much for them. And each step along the way, they traced the weariness and and the pain and the grief of their soul. I got a picture of that a few years ago when when, when, when our family lived in Chicago, there was a, a Vietnam veterans parade. And, and part of the commemoration was uh, a mobile version of uh, that wall that you will find in Washington, D.C., uh, commemoration, the, the, the Vietnam uh, veterans wall. And like the original, it, it bears the names of all the soldiers who died in that war. A newspaper reporter, I'm sorry, a a television news reporter asked one veteran why he had come all the way to Chicago to visit the memorial and to participate in the parade. And the soldier looked straight into his face and with tears beginning to well up, he said, because of this man right here. And as the soldier talked, he pointed directly to a name of a friend that was etched on that wall. He traced the letters of his, his friend's name as the camera's caught the moment, and the soldier continued to answer the reporter by saying this, this man right here, he gave his life for me. He gave his life for me. And as the news clip ended, the sobbing soldier let the tears flow, and he stood there tracing the name of his friend with his finger. It was hard for for that man to get his heart and his mind around the sacrifice of his friend. And so he kept tracing the name. And in tracing the name, keeping the story alive. We have that problem too. There is, of course, someone who gave his life for us, for me, for you, for all of us. And while there is something profoundly comforting in keeping the story alive there becomes a continual challenge to find meaning in that story. So back to Luke chapter 24. As they talked and they discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. That's what we read in Luke 24. And then he asked them, what are you discussing as you go along? It's obvious It's something very troubling. I added that little extra portion. And they stood still, their faces downcast. You see the scene. And one of them named Cleopas asked him, Are you the only one living in Jerusalem who doesn't know the things that have happened here in these days? 
They, of course, were talking about the incredible events from the sheer ecstasy of Palm Sunday to the crushing grief of the betrayal and the trial and the brutal death upon the cross. And I have to admit, I find gentle humor in Christ's response in verse 19. What things? (laughs) What things, he asked. Now keep in mind, he not only knew what things had happened, because all of those things had happened to him. The scars on his hands were still fresh. The wound in his side was still open. In the Gospel of John, Thomas the disciple was invited to actually touch those wounds and see for himself. And here he, in speaking to these two, says, what things? And even as he carried the evidence in himself. But the question being asked from verses 19 through 24 opens the opportunity. They reviewed the facts of the case, things about Jesus, his real life, his real death, and now his reported resurrection. And somehow it it did not compute. They, they, They confessed that to him. What things? We'll tell you what things. Things that that don't make sense to us right now. And in verse 25, Jesus said to them, how foolish you are and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Christ have to suffer these things and then enter into his glory? And then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. Talk about an Easter sermon. If, if any of you have a time machine tucked away in your garage and gave me the opportunity to go to one moment in the past, this would be the place I would like to go, the sermon I would like to hear. And so beginning at the end of the, of the beginning of the Bible to the end of the Bible, the facts were laid out on display. J.B. Fowler tried to capture the essence of this sermon in his book entitled, Illustrating Great Words of the New Testament. He begins by saying this, Beginning with Genesis, Jesus threads the scarlet truth of redemption all the way through the Old Testament, weaving a tapestry of both the suffering and the glory of the Messiah. And it must have looked at something like this. In Genesis, he is the seed of the woman. In Exodus, he is the Passover lamb. In Leviticus, he is the atoning sacrifice. In Numbers, the bronze serpent. In Deuteronomy, the promised prophet. In Joshua, the captain of the Lord's host. In Judges, he is the deliverer. In the books of Samuel and Kings and Chronicles, he is the promised king. In Ezra and Nehemiah, he is the restorer of the nation. In Esther, he is the advocate. In Job, the redeemer. In Psalms, (laughs) he is the all in all. In Proverbs, he is the pattern of life. In Ecclesiastes, he is the goal of life. And in in the Song of Solomon, he is the beloved. And in the prophets, he is the Messiah, the coming king, the prince of Israel. And through all of this, as he's speaking and delivering this sermon point by point, book by book, step by step, verse by verse, it's almost as if truth is flashing out of the darkness into their despair, almost like lightning. 
like, like a flame that is, that is sparking life with fact. And by the time they reach Emmaus, these two men are desperate for more. You can get that feeling. Look at verse 29. Stay with us, they beg. Stay with us, they beg. This is too good. I added that part. Stay with us. And so Jesus stays, and he breaks bread, and he, and he gives thanks. Does that sound familiar? To a meal that had just occurred four days before. He took the bread and he broke it and he gave it to them. Take that to heart each time you share in the Lord's table and do so in remembrance of him. It is with that simple gesture that they see him just as he is. Verse 31, their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And then he disappeared from their sight. (laughs) Every year at Easter, we preach sermons that echo this moment where the facts are laid out once again as true as ever. But this morning, I want you to imagine the mystery and delight for these two, not just in the hearing of the facts, but in the seeing of Jesus as he is resurrected for the very first time, you yourself now becoming an eyewitness of the resurrection. Ben Patterson writes that sometimes our hands are cauterized by handling holy things. We've been there and done that so many times that our heart gets calluses. In Luke, we find it's not just a matter of facts anymore. In verse 32, having seen Jesus, look and see the response. They turned to each other and said, Were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us along the road and opened the scriptures to us? Their heads had certainly been enlightened, but their confession was that their hearts were on fire, inflamed. And I want you to focus on that little phrase and hold it to your heart, yourself like a burning coal. Did not your heart burn within you when you met Jesus? That word is so unique in the scriptures. Literally, it means to set something on fire and to consume it in the flames until nothing remains. And this is holy emotion at its best. In the book of Psalms, in Psalm 39, as David grew closer to God, he had no choice but to cry out, my heart grew hot within me, and as I meditated, the fire burned in flame. Some of you know exactly what that is like. There is an emotion, a passion that consumes you, an energy that is sparked by the Holy Spirit that that comes from seeing Jesus, and it all makes sense. And it is no mistake that John the Baptist warned people about Jesus, that when he would come into their presence, he would baptize them in spirit and in fire. It would consume you. Did not your heart burn within you when you met Jesus? That word burn used in the Bible that day serves as a root for the, also for the word lamp. For not only is there fire, but there is also light. 
and a warmth to that light. Jesus has called every single one of his disciples to be lights that shine in the world. And that means more than just being able to recite the facts of the gospel. Whatever is said of the gospel from your lips and whatever is lived of the gospel in your life must be lived with fire, with passion. Did not your hearts just burn within you as you belong to Jesus? In Luke, those, we read those words, did not your heart birth within us when, when we were with Jesus? And, and to grasp the mystery and the delight of Easter really demands that every single one of us see that story of Jesus as if it were for the very first time, even though we may be 2,000 years out from the event. I read of such a moment that, that happened a couple of years ago, and it, and it took place in a very primitive tribe in the jungles of East Asia. It was reported by missionaries who had gone to show the Jesus film. And, and not only did this particular tribe in the jungles, not only had they had never heard of Jesus, they had never even seen a motion picture, <laughs> a movie. What on earth is this? Then, all at once, they had one unforgettable evening. Because as the missionaries set up the stage and the people all gathered, they saw it all. The gospel in their own language. Visible and real. Imagine once again how it felt to see Jesus. As they watched, they saw a good man who healed the sick and was adored by children suddenly held without, without trial and then beaten by jeering soldiers. And as the people watched it, they came unglued. They, they stood up and they began to shout at the cruel men on the screen, Stop it! Stop it! Stop it! And they demanded that the outrage stop. And when nothing happened, they attacked the missionary who was running the projector. Perhaps they thought he was responsible for this injustice. And so he was forced to stop the movie and explain that the story wasn't over yet. The story, there was more, there's more, there's more. And so they, they, they settled down to the ground and they held their emotions in, in tenuous check. And then came the crucifixion. And, and again, the people just couldn't hold back. They began to weep and wail with such loud grief that once again, the missionary had to f- stop the movie. He tried once again to calm them and explain to them the story still wasn't over. There was more. There's more. So they composed themselves and they sat down to see what would happen next. And then came the resurrection. And pandemonium broke out this time, but for a different reason. The gathering had spontaneously erupted into a party, and the noise that they made was one of jubilation, and it was deafening. The people began to dance, and they were slapping each other on the back. Christ is risen! Christ is risen! Christ is risen indeed! They kept yelling and chanting and chanting and yelling and yelling and chanting. And again, the missionary had to shut off the projector, but this time he didn't tell them to calm down and wait for what was next. Because everything that was supposed to happen in the story and in their lives was happening right before them all. The light had been turned on and a flame was burning bright. (laughs) 
There is a catechism that asks as its very first question, what is the chief purpose of man? What is your purpose? What is my purpose? What is the chief purpose for every single one of us? What is our reason for living? And the answer that is given is very simple, to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. (laughs) On Easter, these two things are bonded together as a gift from Jesus Christ, the one who loves you and gave himself for you. The glory of God is on full display, the gift of life, the joy of salvation. It is all there for you to enjoy forever. But you must take him as your savior. You must too join the party. And it must come from your heart to say, Christ is risen. And for me, he is risen indeed. Let us pray. Oh, gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for having sent your son and a and, and, and as a journey of love, for you so loved the world, every single one of us here, that you gave your only begotten Son so that everyone who might believe in him might not perish, that death might no longer have a sting, but that we would all possess that eternal life. And Lord, on Easter, that party begins. And once again, seeing the joy of that very first Easter, our hearts now burn within us. And Lord, I pray that that party might join with the party existing in heaven now as the angels circle your throne and as as we would join together with them in saying glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among the men and women who belong to him who take Jesus to heart. Lord, I take you to heart with thanksgiving for the gift of Easter. Let it burn both now and forevermore, I pray in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen.